You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Vera Bittner, President of the National Lipid Association. I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Alan Brown and presented by the National Lipid Association. What's the role of advanced lipid testing, and in particular, particle number testing in the prevention of atherosclerosis? How might this information change how you treat your patient? Welcome to Lipid Luminations. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Brown. Our guest today is Dr. Tara Dahl, Medical Director of Advanced Lipidology in Delafield, Wisconsin. Dr. Dahl is board certified in clinical lipidology and a clinical preceptor for Medical College of Wisconsin. Dr. Dahl, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, Tara, let's start by talking about a subject that I know is not only dear to your heart, but that you have tremendous expertise, which is advanced lipid testing. Can you describe to us what the differences are between a standard lipid profile and advanced lipid testing in terms of assessing risk? Sure, I'd be happy to. There's several different advanced lipid testing types available, but I'll try to just be general about that, the different options. So, a traditional lipid panel will basically give you a breakdown of total cholesterol, HDL cholesterol triglycerides, and then LDL cholesterol would typically be calculated unless it's measured in a direct form. Advanced lipid testing can give you some additional information. One can either order an apolipoprotein B, ApoB level, or a LDL particle concentration, which basically both get at the same type of information. LDL particles are what drive atherosclerosis. And so the question is, how do we measure LDL, LDL being the driver of atherosclerosis? So you can measure it with LDL particle concentration, ApoB, or you can try to get a surrogate measure of that by measuring LDL cholesterol. And then additionally, uh, advanced lipid testing can also give you an assessment of the size of particles. So we can determine whether patients have small, dense LDL, for example, or the large, buoyant LDL particles. So, Tara, you know, my patients get confused, and certainly the referring doctors get confused when they order these mega tests that give them a whole synopsis of multiple different measures from each particle from LDL, VLDL, and HDL size and numbers, as well as other uh, novel risk factors. Can you give us your feeling about what the most useful information on one of these tests would be and how you would use it to determine risk and treat a patient? Really, the most important number would either be the LDL particle concentration or ApoB, which, again, are getting at similar information. And all the other information does give you some helpful information about how to potentially treat a patient. You may treat them slightly differently, for example, if somebody has a predominant amount of small particles. Small particles tend to keep company with insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome. And if you have that information, you may target your treatment somewhat differently as a result. But when it comes to actually determining what someone's risk is for cardiovascular disease, it's LDL particle concentration or ApoB that's going to be most predictive of risk and really the most important number. And many of the advanced tests do give you a lot of additional information. And I think that Really, those are the critical components to pay attention to. Many clinical studies have shown that once one controls for total particle concentration, LDL particle concentration, or ApoB, that actually the size information is less predictive. It doesn't necessarily independently predict risk in many clinical trials by itself. For example, if you know somebody has small, dense LDL, but you don't know what the LDL particle concentration is, or the ApoB is, you really don't know whether the person has risk or not, because it's not just the small dense LDL that is 
what determines risk, but it's the total number. And a good way to illustrate that, too, is to say that in a patient, for example, that has familial hypercholesterolemia, which is a relatively common genetic disorder that you and I see every day, those patients characteristically have large buoyant LDL particles, but obviously those patients have risk for cardiovascular disease. Many have cardiovascular disease. What they have are large particles, but they have way too many of them. So just knowing whether somebody has large or small particles doesn't really give you the information you need without also knowing the LDL particle concentration or the ApoB level, which is really the critical thing to look at. When I lecture to physicians and healthcare providers on this, you know, I say, really, just look at that one number, and if you want to ignore everything else on the page... You know, to simplify it, that's certainly, you know, fine to do because that's really the most important piece of information. LDL particle and ApoB are more predictive than LDL cholesterol at, at assessing cardiovascular risk and even both on treatment and off treatment. So as usual, after your eloquent explanation of focusing on particle numbers, can you tell us what the targets of therapy should be? What are the numbers that the treating physician should be looking for? to reduce risk? I can tell you what, in general, the proposed recommendations would be, although there, I just want to point out there aren't any formalized published guidelines as far as NSEP guidelines giving us a specific number. But if you look at populations and where we want to target LDL cholesterol and then look at Framingham and the MESA study and then use a LDL particle and ApoB that would correlate with that, those are the numbers I'll be giving you. So also, the American Diabetes Association and the American College of Cardiology did publish recommendations in the consensus statement that was published in Diabetes Care giving us recommendations for ApoB. And what they recommend is in patients with cardiometabolic risk, having an ApoB level under 90 is recommended and in a high-risk patient that we would normally think of as needing an LDL cholesterol under 70, that type of patient should have an ApoB level under 80. Now, in the LDL particle concentration information, looking at the MESA database as a sort of example of an epidemiologic database, if you want to try to get the patient to the less than 5th percentile of the population in a very high-risk patient, for example, you would have targets of less than 700 for the high-risk, less than 1,000 for the optimal particle concentration in general for most people. The best way to really think about the LDL particle concentration goal is to just add a zero to your LDL cholesterol goal. So if you're somebody who follows traditional recommendations from NSEP where, for example, an LDL cholesterol of 130 may be appropriate for a patient, that would mean that an LDL particle concentration in that patient should be less than 1,300. If you feel an LDL cholesterol based on their level of risk should be under 100, the LDL particle concentration that would correlate with that would be under 1,000. So it's pretty simple to remember if, you, if you're comfortable with the LDL cholesterol recommendations. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM160. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, your host. Our guest today is Dr. Tara Dahl, and we're discussing particle testing for reducing risk in coronary artery disease patients. Tara, can you give us an example of a patient whose treatment was changed by NMR, for example, or by knowing your particle numbers versus the lipid profile alone? And I actually, in my lipid clinic, I utilize NMR lipo profiles basically as a substitute to the lipid panel. So obviously these patients I see all day long, NMR lipo profiles. And I would say that in a lipid clinic in particular, probably between 30 to 50% of the time, there's a discordance between LDL cholesterol and LDL particle concentration. And I can give specific examples, but I want to talk in general about the patient base that's most likely to see a disconnect between what, for example, you see in the LDL cholesterol versus what you see in an LDL particle as measured by NMR. Patients who are insulin resistant, which we, we see them all day long, metabolic syndrome, insulin resistant patients, or patients with diabetes, these patients tend to have small dense LDL. So 
because of the fact they have small dense LDL, each little particle is only carrying you know a small amount of cholesterol. And so when you add that up, the LDL cholesterol value may actually not look that bad. Now these patients do tend to have triglyceride abnormalities or HDL abnormalities that sometimes can key you into the fact that there's something more going on, there's something abnormal that warrants further treatment. But many of those patients will have small dense LDL. And again, when you measure their LDL cholesterol, it could be under 70. It could be completely optimal. And we could see a particle concentration over 2,000 off the charts abnormal. In all honesty, see this every single day, especially in younger patients, um, patients that are overweight who have characteristics associated with metabolic syndrome, we very commonly see LDLs in the you know, 100 range or, or even below that and particles well over 2,000. So Tara, you know, what would you say to someone who says, well, that's why the secondary target of non-HDL is what ANSEP uh, recommended? And I think we both know that they recommended it because it's simple and it's cheap. But could you give an example in this patient you just described with metabolic syndrome, high triglycerides, low HDL? how measuring particle numbers may help you beyond also having a non-HDL target. You know, I actually absolutely agree that non-HDL is a much more accurate way to assess risk than LDL cholesterol. And if we all start using more non-HDL, you know, we're going to be doing a better job for patients. And frequently, that will give you definitely adequate information. But you're going to miss people. You're going to miss people sort of at the ends of the bell curve that the non-HDL isn't going to be necessarily accurately predicting risk. For example, I had a, a patient came to me after having had a triple bypass surgery, which came as quite a surprise and came as a result of, you know, some atypical chest pain. She, for many, many years, had been getting screening and had an LDL in the 100 range, an HDL that was actually in the 80 to 90 range, and total cholesterol was always under 200. Well, when she came to see me, was actually on a high-dose statin at the time, and I did an NMR on her at the time she was on therapy, and her particle concentration was 3,000, despite the fact she was on a statin and the fact her non-HDL was well below 100, which we would consider definitely optimal in a very high-risk patient. So the thing is she had very, very small particles, and the particles she had were likely cholesterol depleted. So out of all those cholesterol particles, they were only half full of cholesterol, and therefore there was even more there than we would have ever even predicted. And in her case, she had a normal triglyceride and HDL. And I actually do see this very, very commonly. Sometimes I see it in the patients that have high HDLs but maybe have a family history or something else that suggests there's something more going on. This HDL may not be protecting them. And I actually find that advanced lipid testing with NMR, you could certainly do other tests as well, helps you almost sort out those patients with a high HDL who may or may not be protected. We don't have a way to assess whether HDL is working or not. We all know that if HDL is functioning, it gives you protection, but if it's not, it may not, and it may actually be associated with pro-inflammatory state and uh, even increased atherogenicity. And one way I find NMR to be helpful is to help kind of sort out those patients. You know, who do you decide to treat who has a strong family history but an HDL of 80? Well, if their particles are 2,500 and they have an HDL of 80, my gut's telling me that the HDL is either not working or there's just additional, you know, things going on with this patient that warrant treatment. But we certainly wouldn't want to treat every patient like that. On the other hand, I probably have several patients like this, the 70-something-year-old woman with no cardiovascular risk factors other than her age, who has an LDL maybe in the 150 range, and she's reading her women's magazine and reading articles on cholesterol. They said everyone should have an LDL cholesterol under 100, you know, based on the American Heart Association update in 2007. And she's thinking, I've got an LDL of 150. Do I need to be treated? Well, if I do an NMR on her and I see that her particle concentration is seven or 800, well within an optimal range, I'm pretty comfortable letting that LDL cholesterol of 150 or 160 go untreated. 
I think some of these patients who have high LDL cholesterols actually don't necessarily have cardiovascular disease and or need lifelong therapy. So we tend to over-treat and under-treat a segment of the population that I find the advanced testing helps me sort that out. So Tara, are there any clinical studies that show the benefits of using particle numbers in patient management and might further illuminate these cases that you've described for us? There have been a number of studies looking at LDL particle concentration as being a better predictor of risk and sort of help to assess how well somebody's treated after they're on statin therapy. I mean, there's multiple clinical studies that have been looked at. Epidemiologic studies like Framingham and Mesa both have a lot of data looking at assessing risk, showing LDL particles are a better, more optimal way to assess risk than is LDL cholesterol, and that's usually what it's compared to. There's also studies, for example, VA HITS, Women's Health Study, Cardiovascular Health Study, one, and there's a number of clinical trials that have looked at this. Also, um, the heart protection study was recently analyzed, although I don't believe the results of that have been published yet. That's great, and it's, there seems to be a burgeoning number of studies suggesting that particle number is a, a very additive piece of information to determine risk. And Do you have any final thoughts on the different methodologies for testing particle numbers? And um, as you know, there are commercial laboratories offering this test result, several of them now. Do you have any preferences or what can we tell our listening physicians as to which type of test to order? I think the key is making sure whatever you're ordering is measuring LDL particle concentration or ApoB versus measuring sizes. You know, just knowing the size of a particle really doesn't give you useful information standing alone. So clearly, you know, technology that looks at that. NMR has the most data, I think the most studies that back it up as far as looking at LDL particle concentration. ApoB can be done in most labs. You know, Berkeley Heart Lab has been doing that for years and certainly has data to support what they do as well. I have been using NMR lipoprofiles for more than 10 years now, so I I have a lot of experience with that technology, and it's really been the one that's shown. But but most of these clinical trials I'm talking about have been utilizing NMR technology, so if you want to go with the technology that has, has the most studies probably to back it up as far as LDL particles at this point, liposcience is the one that's done the most work. But there are definitely other companies now that are measuring LDL particle concentration. All right. Thank you very much, Tara. That's fascinating, and I'm sure that our listeners will get a lot of useful information out of what has been uh, somewhat confusing in the past. We've been talking with Dr. Tara Dow on particle testing for patients with risk for coronary disease and also for higher-risk individuals with established CAD. Dr. Dow, thank you very much for being our guest. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, and you've been listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD is online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Lipid Luminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, visit www.lipid.org.